Make the choice to begin anywhere in your life, and the journey has started. We exist more than just to educate. We exist to also revitalize. And along the way, you can inspire others and be inspired. But now there's a new generation of scholars, and I am among them. If you really want to know who you are and what you are capable of, Howard is the choice for you. Take a moment. Listen to the stories by joining the president of Howard University, Dr. Wayne A.I. Frederick, and his guest on The Journey. Before joining Howard University in October 2020, he was the longest-serving city administrator in the history of Washington, D.C. local government. With experience serving at the right hand of Mayor Muriel Bowser, he worked to ensure the needs of DC's citizens, businesses, and visitors were being met. Hello, my name is Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today is veteran public servant Rashad Young, who joins me for an insightful conversation about his life experiences and career path. Rashad, welcome to the journey. Thank you, Dr. Frederick, for having me. Now, getting into city administration has to be fairly unique. So let's go back a little bit to kind of what your first uh, job at a city was like and what really prepared you? What was your education like that got you there? So I have an interesting uh, path here. So my, my academic preparation is really in the business side. So I have an undergrad degree in business and an MBA uh, as well. Uh, and I started in local government at the ripe age of 18. And I happened to have gotten this scholarship uh, to the University of Dayton, named after the civil rights leader, W.S. McIntosh. Uh, and that scholarship gave me an internship in city government. So my first experience in government uh, was as an undergrad student working at City Hall in Dayton, Ohio. Um, then right after college, I was hired as assistant to the city manager, and that started uh, my track in local government. And, and, and where did you go to high school? And what about that high school experience, for instance, really shaped your thought process that at the age of 18 you'd be willing to take a scholarship that had you in City Hall? Yeah, so I, I went to public schools in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I went to Meadowdale High School, Go Lions. It's still there, <laughs> although in a different building uh, in my hometown. And really, it was the connection of that high school experience to service. And so when I was in high school, I got a chance to meet city commissioners, for example. One of my friends his father was uh, director of an agency at, at, the, at City Hall in local government. And so it just opened up a career opportunity and experience that, frankly, before I got into in, engaged in activities in high school, I didn't even know existed. I didn't know that there was this profession, local government, that, people, that could really train people on how to manage localities and cities. And so because I was connected to service uh, through high school and working in the community, I got to see this local government up front, uh, and when the scholarship opportunity came, I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to really see if this is what I want to do long term. Now, I, I moved to Washington, D.C. in 1988, and uh, there's lots to love about the city. Uh, probably most importantly, the people. Anytime I meet people who were born here, I, I, I tell them it's the greatest asset that the city has. It's a very different city today. Yes. And I think during the period of time that you were there, probably some of the greatest growth um, has also taken place. And as well, D.C. is a very transient city. Yeah. Every four years, you've got uh, a whole federal machinery, at least some aspect of it. Uh, one of the branches changing over sometimes. And as a result, that can bring a whole swath of new people in, a whole swath of people moving out. How different is D.C. as it seems on the surface versus 
what are some of the things that under the surface you think are consistent and are great and need to be kept going? Well, I think what that's a great question because what, what is consistent about it is that the community cares what happens in the community. Every city I've ever been in, um, you know, people think their circumstance is unique to that city, but at the end of the day, people want the same thing. They want safe neighborhoods, they want great schools, they want jobs for themselves and their family, and the tactic and strategy about how you get there uh, may change based upon the strengths of the given community, but people want those core things. Uh, what's very unique, I think, about the, the district, and you said it, is that uh, of the communities I have been in, it probably was the most transient um, because of the change in the federal workforce um, that occurs you know, cyclically. Um, there's certainly a, a number of universities and students here, so you have that sort of churn of activity, and then people are coming and going based upon what's happening uh, in the federal industry. Uh, D.C. has been long referred to as sort of uh, a company town and the company being the federal government. Right. Uh, that has changed a, a bit over time, and I would say certainly in my uh, nearly six years in D.C. government, what we have seen is the growth in employment and jobs has been outside of the federal sector. Mm -hmm. Some businesses and industries that do support the federal government but that, while the federal employment has remained relatively fat, flat, the job growth in D.C. has been other kinds of industries, which I think bodes well for the long-term sustainability of the district. Right. The other thing that I'd say is, is different is that the, the governmental structure of the district is unlike anything in the nation. Uh, you have a city, a state, um, their county functions, the schools are, the district is responsible for, and so there's, it's almost this unigov uh, circumstance. There is no state legislator to go to. It's still the D.C. Council. Right. Uh, and then you've got the fact that that impacts you in the district because there's no federal representation either. And so that does make a difference in terms of how the district is positioned relative to other states and gives some unique challenges to, to our governing. So, so with that in mind, I think you, you wanted, you're probably one of the experts on this. So... I hear this all the time, you know, statehood, why statehood? What about the current setup doesn't work for the District of Columbia citizens versus what, what would be different with statehood? So I, I think it really comes down to that representation in the halls of Congress. One, district residents pay a disproportionate amount of federal taxes without voting membership in either houses of Congress. And if you even just look at the stimulus process that happened this year, uh, states received about six or seven hundred million dollars each, uh, based on a formula, a federal formula, uh, for stimulus support. The District of Columbia didn't get that resource, missed out on seven hundred million dollars, in part because there's nobody in Congress, there's no senator that can say, if you get it, Maryland, and you get it, Virginia, then D.C. should get it, too. Right. And so when funding decisions are being made and choices are being made, you don't have an advocate uh, other than our delegate, uh, uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton, who can't vote in the House. But you don't have voting representation to ensure equity and to ensure that D.C. gets treated as other states do uh, in the country. And that has made a the most significant example of that 
is this federal stimulus where everybody got $700 million, DC got zero in terms of that particular allocation of funding. You're listening to The Journey. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today is Rashad Young, Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at Howard University. Switch gears a bit. Yep. Um, you're here to help me with strategy. Yes. Um, we built uh, the strategic plan ahead of time. I, I, I confess that I'm not always crazy about strategic plans because I think they live on shelves, and I think the best strategy is to be constantly trying to improve uh, yourself, and you weren't here for the building. How, talk a, a bit about your own planning and, and strategic philosophy, and then um, we, we'll get into the strategy of what we're trying to do. Yeah, so I always think when you talk about strategic planning um, that you just simply start where you are. Uh, oftentimes when we, when we talk about building a plan and executing the plan, there are all these things that you feel that are in some, oh, if we had better data, or if we could organize differently in this way. But the key is that you really just have to have a vision and know where you want to be, you know, whether it's one, four, five, ten years from now, and you start with the tools and the resources and the strengths that you have uh, on the table now. One of the great things about this plan, and I've been in an organization that has done lots of strategic plans, is that I have not been in an organization where this plan is as living uh, as it is at Howard. If you walk around and talk to anybody, they will say or mention Howard Forward probably in the first five sentences of whatever they're going to talk about. So people really are embracing this and taking an opportunity to really think about what this plan means and how it will work uh, for their everyday work. And I think that's an outstanding uh, way to approach the strategic planning uh, implementation. And you obviously came and met the plan. We have five pillars. Uh, what's your assessment of what's in the plan? Um, so, you know, I think the plan is really about um, how to move this organization forward and make sure that it is leading and sustainable for the future. The five pillars and some 18 initiatives that make up Howard Forward really touch every aspect of what we do in the university from teaching students and the environment that they're taught in to making sure that we've got resources to invest in that teaching mission to efficiency and customer service to how we address and engage with the community. Uh, so it is very broad in its scope uh, but extremely practical in its application and so as I have looked at the plan, and I literally walk around with the planning book in my book bag everywhere that I go uh, so that I can constantly be thinking about the work that occurs on the campus and that other units are doing, uh, how that alignment occurs with the macro plan. Uh, and so I really do think uh, from, from the plan's perspective, it is practical, it is doable, and it's relevant uh, to the mission of the university, and that's what you want in a strategic plan. And, and as you've built plans for cities, what are some of the biggest risks for strategic plans not being implemented or executed well? I think there are two risks. Uh, one, uh, that the plan is too uh, static and doesn't recognize evolving circumstances and situations, and then you can't leverage uh, on the next opportunity uh, that occurs. And so the flexibility to sort of think about the strategy in, in the present day circumstance and opportunity, uh, I think is really important. 
the second uh, piece uh, to a strategic plan I think that causes uh, some difficulty is that the measures aren't clear. We're, we don't understand what success looks like. And so when you talk about a big, bold vision where tomorrow looks different than today, uh, you've got to be able to define what the goalposts are and how you're going to evaluate your success over time uh, so that you can track that progress. And I think the third thing uh, that's critical here is that you've got to have the discussion about the relevance of the plan in a way where people don't view it as in addition to their work, but central to their work. And so if this is an add-on, a report I have to fill out because the president said that everybody has to fill out a report or an exercise at budget time, then people tend to view the plan as a secondary issue and not really relevant to their day-to-day. -day. And so you got to talk about it and infuse the elements of the strategic planning in people's daily work so it's not an add-on, but a part of what you're doing to be successful. Excellent. And as I tell everyone who comes here, uh, ultimately, uh, this university is here for uh, the future. Why Howard University? Why do you think Howard University is so critical, not just to DC, but to the entire nation uh, at this present time in, in our history? I, it, is, it is for a couple of reasons. Um, and part of that is what really drew me to this opportunity. Uh, the national dialogue today around race and equity, inclusion, justice, uh, has been more pronounced and prominent than it has been in a long time. And Howard being a leader, a natural leader, having a history of not only scholarship and service, but justice um, is compelling. And so Howard's mission, its leadership position in the country as a thought leader, uh, as a producer of individuals who will move the needle on issues around equity and justice, um, is, is there's no more important mission at this time in our country and the focus that Howard has on black and brown people being a part of that conversation, preparing them for roles of leadership, uh, whether they be in business, law, medicine, uh, science, or computing, whatever their sort of field of expertise is, uh, the more we can produce those kinds of leaders in the country, uh, then we can advance uh, the ideals of equity, equality, and justice across the country. Howard has a history of doing it. Uh, they have proven they produce leaders that do it. Uh, look at our vice president, uh, who is in the White House, a proud Howard alum. Uh, and so Howard is important to the national dialogue and conversation and has a reputation and the stature uh, to lead this effort uh, with many others in the country. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. My guest today was Rashad Young, Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at Howard University. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey.